Hey, you are listening to The Workplace Theater. This is the podcast where we go behind the scenes of corporate real estate, talking to industry experts about how they shape the next generation workplace. Sabine M. And in today's episode, I'm speaking with Nicholas Vandera. Nicholas is the real estate lead for Middle East and Africa at IBM. Hi, everyone. Today, I'm with Nick Vandera of IBM. We met at a seminar around workplace strategy, and I asked him to join me, and he luckily said yes. So here he is. Hi, Nick. Hi, Sabine. It's very nice to see you again. Can we start by you telling us what your role is and what your professional background is? How did you come to look after corporate real estate? Thanks. Thanks again for inviting me into this show. It's a pleasure that we met during the seminar. (laughs) So yeah, what is it I do currently? So I, what I do is uh, to manage the real estate portfolio for Middle East and Africa for IBM. So this is a region that I cover, about 20 countries in Middle East and Africa. And just to give you a little bit of my background is that, you know, I started off, you know, after graduating in uh, a technical, with a technical degree in mechanical engineering, started off in facilities management in the manufacturing industry, then moved over into the office setup, corporate real estate, and then Later on, you know, I started by managing a hub in Africa and then later on managing the Middle East and Africa region. So it's been 16 years, uh, if I count now, <laughs> Johnny. Wow. In, in real estate, right from the supplier side to the client side. And my responsibility at the moment is pretty much from end to end, you know, from site acquisitions to operations and also to disposal of the site. So it's, it's a full cycle uh, yeah. responsibility. That's true. Corporate real estate responsibilities tend to be all-compassing tasks oftentimes with all-round talents looking after things, which brings me to the question, how big is actually IBM's real estate portfolio and how is the corporate real estate team set up? Yeah, so. IBM as a whole has footprint in over 100 countries globally. So you can imagine that's big real estate. We have over 350 employees globally who are supporting real estate. And the way we are set up specifically from a global perspective is that real estate you know, reports into the CFO. And what the CFO had done was that he'd set up an enterprise operations unit which pretty much, you know, encompasses uh, all, if not most of the support functions, which global real estate is one of them. So that's that's how we are pretty much set up. And then in the various sub-regions, locally in country, you know, like all multinationals, we do have a matrix organization. So in country, we report to leadership in the market. And from a global perspective, we do report to the global real estate, which reports through the CFO. So that's pretty much how we are set up in IPM from an organization, organization perspective. Yes. And then what I'm also always curious about, especially now, is what's the most common workplace configuration that you have? I think this is an interesting question, Sabine, because 
over the last two years, we never really thought that this would change as much as it has now. Yeah, but you know, traditionally we've always had you know at least eighty percent assigned desk, mm-hmm. and then we have about twenty percent that is more of a hot desking setup in most of the locations. But um, you know, as a realization through pandemic, I think what we are also now doing is shifting this and increasing the sharing ratios as we start adopting hybrid workplace in our offices across. So we are seeing this going up drastically in terms of the sharing ratios in the offices where it used to be one to one. We are now seeing this to one to six, one to eight, depending on the business units. And I think this is still work in progress. <laughs> yeah, for many. <laughs> it's still work in progress as we steer through. Definitely. So you are located in Dubai, working across different geographies in Middle East and Africa. Do you actually see differences in working culture and how hybrid working is adopted? Or do you see differences with other colleagues that are working on other parts of the global portfolio? Yeah, interesting question. So I think uh, Middle East and Africa is very unique on its own. It has, you know, bits and pieces that is fairly developed and bits and pieces that is, you know, majority is uh, developing countries. So on this, you know, predominantly affect the work culture. Because there are various aspects, uh, such as religion, infrastructure, security, logistics, you know, when it comes to traffic, that tend to impact how people work, how people go to the offices. For example, in Nigeria, where it takes about three hours just to cross the only bridge between the mainland and uh, Victoria Island, where most of the multinationals have their offices. The employees then tend to have very specific patterns of going to the office just because of the traffic. And if you take other countries in Africa where power is not as reliable, again, you find employees who want to go to the office simply because then they get reliable internet, reliable power, and then they can work and they can perform. So while this, some of this is taken for granted in uh, developed countries, you don't always have to check into consideration whenever you are reviewing a strategy for a specific country just to ensure that you know the work culture that you want to bring actually fits the locations you know we also look at things to do with accessibility you know public transport um, is not really well developed in some countries in africa for example in dubai it's well developed so accessibility to the office is fairly easy But if you go to some parts of Africa, this is, you know, one big item that you always have to keep in mind because uh, most of the employees use public transport and they have to go to the office to be able to work. And, and, you know, those are the considerations that you really look at. And then, of course, the time differences. In Africa, the Middle East covers about four time zones. <laughs> so if you're working in a multicultural environment and you have to connect with your boss or with your peers globally, you always have to be conscious of, you know, the various time zones um, and how you're setting up meeting. You know, one of the biggest assumptions with hybrid is that you know, you can work anywhere, anytime. But, you know, looking at from a time zone perspective, it's not always very straightforward. So you just have to keep that into perspective. 
And I think a couple of things when it comes to the office itself, I think, you know, a couple of things that are similar across the board, you know, I think the teams always look at their workplaces as, as a place where they can, you know, connect, where they can socialize, where they can come and co-create. So I think that is pretty much across the board. And there's a sense of uh, belonging and ownership when it comes to the workplace. But at the same time, you know, there are a few cultures in some of the countries whereby senior management still uh, believe in, you know, the management by walking around, making sure you're visible <laughs> so that they do believe you, you are working. So I think these are some of the cultures that are still there. And it's a very intentional drive to change these cultures as we go forward. The pandemic did accelerate this, but yeah, I think we still see bits and pieces of this. Yeah. Has this evolved then as well on a strategical level that the business initiatives around real estate are different now than they were before? Yes, I think that's really fundamental where we are going and what it is currently looking at post-pandemic, I think couple of things, hybrid workplaces, which is looking at, you know, repurposing our workspaces, but then at the same time, some of the initiatives that the companies are looking at, such as sustainability and drive towards green building are key now and of, of concern, of great focus. So what some of the things that, you know, we're actually now looking at and trying to learn more about is, you know, things like green leases, for example, how do we contract for green leases? What are some of the you know, checklist items that needs to be in this list, you know, keeping in mind Middle East and Africa, you know, what are some of the variations of green leases that we would have to adopt as we strategize location strategies going forward. I think those those are the key direction from a strategy perspective that we're looking at going forward. And of course, we're also looking at you know, enabling our offices uh, to ensure that, you know, the digital lighthouse, by this, what I mean is that, you know, our offices, you get insights from our offices and you can be able to you know, book virtually an office. You can be able to book a workstations remotely. You can be able to see some of the uh, data points for the offices as we move forward. So I think this is becoming key. And we have, you know, teams focused on ensuring that this is put in place as we move forward uh, as part of the strategy for these offices. Yeah. Now, when we look inside the office buildings, um, how do the office environments look like supporting the cultural differences you mentioned and supporting, uh, well, just a normal working day? Do you see as Workplace programs changing from a desk space to a meeting space, or would you say that, for example, in Africa, the, the example you had before, desk space is still very much needed because the home office setups are not that reliable for work? Yeah, I think it's a mix. It's a, little, a bit more diverse from a range perspective. So if I look at it from the Middle East, specifically Dubai, I think you know, the market has evolved. So we're really pretty much in a hybrid environment. So the workspace is reducing dedicated spaces and increasing collaboration areas. And that is very intentional because from an infrastructure perspective, I think the teams are able to support this and they do have the infrastructure remotely. So the offices is simply becoming a place to connect 
create, collaborate, and to use those social spaces. While at the same time, you know, if you look at Africa, for example, yes, the pandemic did accelerate uh, adoption of, you know, remote connectivity and supporting uh, remote infrastructure, but we are still not yet there. The team still look forward to going to the office so that they're able to get the right infrastructure and to work from the offices. So while we are also looking at optimizing the offices and, you know, the strategies in Africa, we also have to intentionally keep this in mind so that we're able to support the businesses across the region. Yeah. How do you think about space demand then? You said you're still in a learning phase and trying things out, but sometimes decisions need to be made now, right? So do you have like a, a red thread you follow? Yeah, I think what uh, IBM has done as a company is that they've done multiple surveys and multiple questionnaires to get several data points specifically and identified, I would say, four key personas. And when it comes to, you know, mapping out the requirements, the requirements are pretty much around this three key personas. So one of the personas is you know, a collaborative tactical employee. A coll uh, the other persona is a collaborative employee, knowledgeable employee, and an individual tactical employee. So these are pretty much the three personas that, you know, we've mapped all the job roles around. And uh, we use these personas and the associated uh, expectations, you know, like uh, they would come to the office in, in a couple of days a week. They would come to the office for specific purpose, you know, focused times. And then we use that to map out the space requirement. And then that's what we would then go with, you know, as a indicative requirement. Then we'd build from that with some, you know, country specifics to consider. But then, yeah, that pretty much gives us, you know, guidance. You know, what we're also shifting is pretty much changing the office environment to be, you know, more of a community and connection and purpose-driven offices. So that's that's really the direction that we are taking across. Have you implemented then certain tools to support remote and hybrid work as well, or added technology into the office or into home environments? Yeah, I think we have, you know, at the very onset of the pandemic of course we had the shutting down of offices and then we started ramping up in terms of opening in waves and at that point in time you know we did implement a triviga workplace and what triviga workplace basically does is that it allows individuals to book workstations whenever they need to come to the office and it also allows them to book meeting rooms and, you know, share with them the capacity of these meeting rooms, the location of these meeting rooms, and help them navigate to this location. So so that, you know, on the specific days that they need to you know, book this, they're able to book this. At the beginning, you know, we kicked this off with the intention that we are able to also manage the hygiene aspect and we would be able to track who your state and alert then the cleaning FM team to be able to clean specifically those rooms after usage, while at the same time, in case of an infection, we'll be able to track 
you know, the teams that were in that environment and uh, notify them to take appropriate action. So that was the reason of the pandemic. But as we have evolved further, we've realized that we are reducing our workspaces in terms of number of workstations that are dedicated and opening it up to more hot desk, you know, book on demand. And as we do this, especially in locations where you are higher sharing ratios, the only way to bring some organization is to ensure that there is a booking tool to manage the resources. And therefore, this is how we are evolving the use of Trireda across the portfolio. Yes. What I'm also curious always about is how do you get a sense of what you're doing and offering to employees is right? So how do you measure success of workplace elements put in place? Yeah, Sabine, that's a very good question. Yeah? <laughs> and it's <laughs> it's one of those one of those questions that you know you never know whether you're getting it right up until you get a couple of tries. And I think we're just on the onset of you know opening most of the offices as we speak. We still don't have all the offices open. And as we roll out Trariga, we are getting feedback via the tool. We've also you know opened Slack channels across various locations to ensure that people can provide feedback via Slack on this. But, you know, initially it was, you know, how to use the tool, how to navigate and just get those going so that people can use it, adopt it, and then start getting feedback. So besides that and surveys, I think over this quarter, you know, at the beginning we had initial feedback on improvements on the tool. So this feedback was taken in, the tool has been further improved. And now we're looking into this quarter, next quarter to get more feedback, especially as the offices are ramping up now. And then we take it from there, you know, from a quality of feedback perspective and the actions that then would be required. So primarily we have three key feedback channels. One is Slack channels where it's dedicated for those locations and for the tradition users. The other one is surveys that the team does with a focused group. And of course, the last one is usually uh, via real estate directly. So people always come directly to individuals and say, hey, this is what the tool is doing. And and then we channel that up uh, as feedback. And, you know, we're more than welcome uh, if you have any other suggestions. And how to get feedback. Yeah. yeah, our research is very much focused on how do you do it? Because as you said, if you're looking at real estate data only, you're only getting one side of things, right? And then if you only look at employee surveys and employee opinions, you're only getting another side of things. The key is to bring the two together <laughs> and uh, draw conclusions from the connecting points, kind of. Yeah, but I think the jury is still out on what the ideal method going forward is. And it it is a pretty new approach for our industry to do this testing and ask more for feedback because when I still used to work on the occupier side and manage a corporate real estate portfolio, we didn't 
take that retrospective perspective a lot. So we're always going from one project to the next, but we rarely asked, are you fine after? I mean, we probably asked in the first two weeks, do you like the new office? But then we didn't really revisit if it was still working for them. And that's pretty new that we have to get used to the fact that we can't put an office or an environment into place and expect it to work for the next five years, but we have to ask continuously. And that actually brings me to my next question, which is, do you think there are new skill sets that corporate real estate managers need to adopt? Have you adopted some new ones? Yeah, interesting question. Uh, <laughs> and I think it's it's really timely, especially now. <laughs> I think, you know, earlier on, you said, you know, from a real estate perspective, you're pretty much expected to be a jack of all trades. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I think the world is really moving and focusing more on data and insights that you can drive from data. And corporate real estate, you know, has to be at the forefront to drive this. And, you know, a couple of skills that we specifically in IBM are trying to churn across the teams is specifically around AI. We're trying to do data scientists, trying to grow analysts, uh, and also try to grow uh, skills around AI and more specifically so that, you know, we can end up with, you know, a digital environment in our workplaces and not just for the tech geeks, but for the users of the space and as well as for real estate professionals who would be able then to make strategic decisions based on the insights that they get from this. Now, having said that, what is it that we're actually looking at? You know, we're looking at usage of the space. We're looking at, you know, bringing in IoTs and sensors, which we have uh, started piloting in some of the locations. We're also looking at usage of Occupy and pulling data from Occupy for occupancy and driving meaningful decisions based on this. But then more importantly is that, and I think you've had this probably, it has always been, a workflow, workplace, and workforce. But then recently, they've always added a wellness in the equation. And all this are pretty much around the experience. So what we are trying to really look at from a skill set perspective is the full sustainable cycle in terms of experience and bringing this together specifically for the users and for the real estate professionals. When, when you look at a workplace setup. And this is where I really is, you know, the biggest task. There's a lot of, you know, work streams and looking at different aspects of this, collaborating with different teams to be able to bring this to live. And it varies from locations to locations. While we have a global strategy, you know, local implementation is what really matters uh, for it to work. I hope that answers your questions. I know it's too many words. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I think it does. And I liked what you said about being a jack of all traits. And just before this, our appointment, I had a discussion with the team and we were thinking about employee needs. And if you think of this, there's this hierarchy of needs. It has changed now. So the the needs that employees have towards their employer have changed and have become broader and they're having bigger expectations that you need to meet, which means 
we as real estate or corporate real estate need to branch out further to cater to those new needs. I had another question for you that was, do you have a lesson learned that you can share with our community? Yeah, I think just before you go to that question, I think when you say that shifting of needs, it's, it's interesting because if you have to look at you know Africa, for example, and you look at say, the next 10 years in 2030, we're looking at 2.5 billion population that will be just about the age of 18 and below. At the moment, we're looking at you know 70% or 60% of the population being 19 years or thereabout. And that really gives you a demographic of the population that you know we're creating, who will be creating workplaces for in the next couple of years. And this is interesting because not just from a talent perspective, but also from an expectation perspective. As uh, you know the generation gap increases, we end up with a very different set of requirements. You know, really works for them in a workplace environment. And I think that's where you know, as we evolve some of these practices, we also keep an eye on what will the future really look at. So going back to your question, mm-hmm. lessons learned. <laughs> I think one of the biggest lessons I've learned is, you know, usually looking at, you know, aspirations that you need to implement in the workplaces and trying to balance this off with affordability. As usual, budget is always limited. And you have a lot of uh, expectations uh, that you'd like to deliver and aspirations. And uh, again, from a time perspective. So I think one of my lessons on this has been that you always have to be very realistic uh, and practical on what can and when it can be delivered. We've had quite a bit of challenges in some parts of Africa specifically because of you know the supply chain because of you know you know immature suppliers and the workforce and the talents to be able to execute some of the projects and you know over time you realize and you factor some of those challenges into your overall project pipeline and then you can set more realistic and more practical timelines so i think that is very interesting specifically for africa where you have multiple regulations, multiple languages, cultures, whenever you have to believe on any strategy in the region. It's not usually very straightforward. (laughs) Now, I have two last questions. One is, if you could magically solve any corporate real estate problem, what would it be? I wish I had a crystal ball. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Aha! Yeah. I think (laughs) this is, we often dream, but I think one of the things that I think would be really interesting is being able to to match between demand and supply in terms of you know requirements and being able to you know match this with the strategy of the company. The problem is that you never really get beyond three uh, max five year period, and we end up in cycles whereby you have an investment. And three years down the line, the strategy changes and you have to restart all over again. So I think for me, that that would really be uh, a key in terms of having a crystal ball on what what is <laughs> what is ahead. <laughs> yes, I think a lot of people would like that. <laughs> 
Yeah. Now, my last question is kind of the crystal ball for me. Um, for my future podcast episodes, who else should I have on? And is there something you would like to ask them? Ooh. So, Sabine, on this one, I don't have a name yet, but I do have probably someone who, if you could get someone who is, um, you know, dealing with insights, the data and the insights, and is able to bridge between diversity, inclusivity, proximity bias, equity, all this in a hybrid environment. I think that would be a set of insights that would really be informative and would really shape the future of our workplaces. I agree. I'll be on the lookout to have someone or something to look further into that. Thank you so much, Nick, for taking the time. It's been a pleasure for me to see you again. Pleasure is all mine. And thank you very much, Sabine. Hope to see you soon. Thanks for listening. If you have enjoyed this episode of The Workplace Leader, there's more. Go visit our blog and have a look at some of the other topics we have covered. We've just released the Definitive Guide to Workplace Analytics, for instance. Or tune in to our next episode of The Workplace Leader. <laughs>